1: Yes, it is. Welcome back. Tuesday, January 19th, 2021. Your hour, 602 Hugh and Lewis Hallman will be joining us in the third hour to talk uh, politics, COVID, other things. And uh, Donald Trump, uh, last day in office, asking you for your memories, best and uh, highlights, lowlights, any memories you have uh, that you want to make sure are not forgotten. Um, I had mentioned at the end of the last hour that Ronald Reagan reminded us in his farewell address from the White House in 1989 that it is a tradition for presidents to issue warnings as they leave the White House. And Ronald Reagan issued a warning about the um, lack of teaching of American history. He called it a growing amnesia. He asked if we are doing a good enough job teaching our children what America is and what she represents – and said uh, we are not and as i mentioned he couldn't have been more prescient i believe that is what leads us to the warning that donald trump issued today and it's the thing i'm most worried about i'm more worried about it frankly than i am almost any other policy that uh, will get on day one or in the first hundred days or really almost anything in the biden administration because it goes to the root of our ability, not only to have minority political rights and dissent, but really the root, taproot, of what democracy is about. He said, at the center of our heritage is a robust belief in free expression, free speech, and open debate. Only if we forget who we are and how we got here could we ever allow political censorship and blacklisting to take place in America. It's not even thinkable. Shutting down free and open debate violates our core values and most enduring traditions. In America, we don't insist on absolute conformity or enforced rigid orthodoxies and punitive speech codes. We just don't do that. America is not a timid nation of tame souls who need to be sheltered and protected from those with whom we disagree. That's not who we are. It will never be who we are. For nearly 250 years, in the face of every challenge, Americans have always summoned our unmatched courage, confidence, and fierce independence. These are the miraculous traits that once led millions of everyday citizens to set out across a wild continent, carve out a new life in the Great West. It was the same profound love of our God-given freedom that willed our soldiers into battle and our astronauts into space. The only thing is when he says we just don't do that insist on absolute conformity or enforce rigid orthodoxies and punitive speech codes is of course that we have done that. That's the problem. Um, America should not be a timid nation of tame souls who need to be sheltered and protected from those with whom we disagree. Unfortunately, we have become that. We used to think it was merely a problem on our colleges and universities, in Adam Carolla's words, that we dipped our children in Purell. But unfortunately, it's now evidently become more and more a problem for adults. It's interesting. I was I was making the point yesterday. I, I guess a caller made the point, and it hadn't dawned on me. A caller made the point yesterday that when you think of all the Democrat parties and left wings criticisms, of Trump supporters, what they call us, what they call us, we who attend the rallies or support him. The reverse was never really true. I I, I don't know of anything specific or general even where we criticized or condemned Hillary supporters. Uh, that She would call us deplorables. We didn't really have any name for people who went to Hillary Clinton rallies or supported Joe Biden. Someone wrote or called in yesterday and put up on the screen, I don't think I got to them, that the worst we ever called them were snowflakes. And, of course, it's true we called people who shrunk from hearing conservative ideas snowflakes. We didn't call supporters of the left generally snowflakes. Uh, Snowflake is a term, with a long history to it, actually. But the term it's been used currently for is people who are so afraid of hearing a conservative point of view that they treat that point of view as if it's violence. They treat, they treat speech like violence and defend, contrarily, or uh, the other side of the coin, treat violence as speech. This, to me, is the most worrisome trend. We used to not do that in America. And it's especially frightening when you think about all the levers of legislative and executive power in Washington now are in the hands of those who have taken us down this road and supported speech codes, have supported shutting down open debate. It's worrisome, even as they themselves are wrapped up in or defended by the speech and debate clause that allows them, members of Congress and the Senate, to say anything they want, anything they want. This is the trend that I think will be the most worrisome going forward and the one we're going to have to resist the most. Um, Anyway, it's uh, something that I don't know if Donald Trump exposed it or was the cause of it, but someone on TV earlier today I was watching was saying you know perhaps in the light of history what people will look back over the Trump administration about was all that he did expose um and that's probably true he is leaving as i mentioned earlier with an approval rating that is not the worst approval rating of other post uh, of other parting presidents his approval rating is uh, higher than Harry Truman's of all people. It's about the same as George W. Bush's. It's exactly the same as George W. Bush's. A little higher than Jimmy Carter's. Presidents who, in the light of short history, uh, were looked back upon more fondly than they were when they left their office. But what were the things he exposed? Well, he exposed things like a hyperpartisan media. You had a CNN. Reporter and New York Times editor tweeting out today: I got chills seeing Joe Biden's plane landing in Virginia. Chills. She wasn't talking about the weather. That's the New York Times. That's the that's CNN. Chills seeing Joe Biden's plane landing in Virginia. Um, he. So I think he exposed the media, and in payment, in repayment for that, they silenced him or censored him or tried to and made every effort. Be interesting to know if he ever recovers his Twitter account or other social media accounts that have taken him down. Um, Other things he exposed. He exposed what we now call the deep state, a phrase we didn't use prior to his presidency very much, and saw that it resided in such places that we never thought it would reside, especially after the 1970s, places like the Department of Justice, places like the FBI. Um, He exposed an industry, a political and economic industry in Washington, D.C. that was willing to shunt aside concerns about human rights abroad in order to make money abroad, particularly when it came comes to countries like China. He exposed to a political class in Washington which was resistant to fundamental political reform on things, particularly in the conservative movement, that the conservative movement advertised it was in favor of for years and years and years, whether it was curbing illegal immigration, or whether it was lowering income tax rates, or whether it was uh, the deployment of original intent jurisprudent justices and judges in the Supreme Court and in the federal courts. These were probably top three of maybe five desiderata of the conservative movement, think tank community, and lobbying community in word for many 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 years indeed when it was done they weren't on board they weren't on board and that's an interesting exposure as well i think he exposed conservative journals as well or so-called conservative journals as well as several conservative think tanks i think he exposed the lobbying industry some of this wasn't done deliberately it was things we found, it were things it, It was, it were, it was, it were Things we found out along the way And discovered along the way You look at organizations like the Lincoln Project right now And the kind of money they take in And the kind of money they spend on themselves That's an exposure of grotesque proportions as well Will it get better for the exposing of it? I don't know I don't know It wasn't rewarded I worry about that Love to hear your memories or thoughts as to what the high points were of the Trump presidency, or low. 602-508-0960. Portions of this show are brought to you by Balance of Nature. Tens of thousands of vital nutrients from 100% whole food plants, fruits and vegetables locked into vegetarian capsules. You just take them once a day, and you are good to go with over... 10 servings of 31 different fruits and vegetables in a daily dose. Great stuff from apples and blueberries and oranges, from kale to broccoli, garlic, cayenne pepper, spinach, zucchini. I take it every single day. It's my most favorite of products I've ever taken or endorsed. They have a great deal right now offering free shipping and 35% off any new preferred order of their fruits and veggies. Give them a call at 800. 800- Two four six eight seven fifty one. Go to balanceofnature.com. Make sure to use discount code Balance. Keith is in Atlanta. Hi Keith, how are you doing, Seth? I'm doing well, sir. How are you?
0: I'm doing all right, considering. Well, we're about ready to start yes, tomorrow. Sir. Yes, sir. And um, I hope you're right about what you said that we get a good dose of what the left is about. And if we can come out of it, it's like being inoc- inoculated with a va- vaccine so you could suffer a little bit, but you still strong <laughs> enough to get it. <laughs>
1: herd immunity, left-wing herd immunity.
0: Right. I mean, because I remember that was what we did with Jimmy Carter. We really spit him out after we got a dose of that. Let's see, with Barack Obama, they, the media and everybody patted the misery when unemployment was really around 14% and everything. But anyways, I want to talk about Trump. Sure. What I really admire about the man and what I really liked about him was he, he lived up to his promises. He said he was going to do this. And all these promises, years, these Republicans said they would do something like um, the embassy into Jerusalem. That's one thing. And not only that, he was bold. He didn't wait on anything like Amy Comey Barrett. He went ahead and got her through there, whereas a regular Republican would have said, "We'll wait till the election is over with," and we would have lost that seat.
1: Yep. Yep.
0: And he he was he was good. And we I I tell you this much, and this is my warning to the Republican Party, if anyone's listening, you can come back and get us another McCain and another Romney, but us people who w- want Trump will probably just sit home. You can keep, but. You better get someone up there that's bold and barks back at the Democrats because Trump was like that. He was he was just like that. But the Democrats, every one of them up at Capitol Hill are just as rude as Trump was. And Trump was only rude when he was fighting back. When people treated him with respect, he was respectful to them.
1: What do you predict The Republican Party will take going forward. Do you think they'll retreat back to a different kind of Republican Party, or do you think they'll go forward with this more, uh, for lack of a better word, populist version of of what Trumpism stood for?
0: It depends on who takes the the wayward horse by the reins and, and steers it, because it's like this. Who knows where it's going to go? Because Mitch McConnell is now the most powerful Republican up there. And um, he could probably get it back in line where we where we get the establishment types. And and that's just going to break the spirit of the Tea Party people, the Trump people, the people who have no voice, who know that the government looks down on us. We're middle income people. We carry the burden of the nation. We pay the taxes. We live a responsible, moral life. We, we want the best for our families. We don't want a handout from the government, and they spit on us. They treat us like we are not valued. It's, it's, they, the Democrats, if they could, they would flip a switch and evaporate us off the planet. But the problem is is they don't realize that we're the ones who carry the burden. If they flip the switch, all you got is people who do nothing and us And what's going to get done at that point?
1: You know, um, it is interesting. people had made different comparisons to the kind of um constituency that Donald Trump appealed to when he ran in twenty sixteen twenty fifteen twenty sixteen um and they talked about you know did he sound more like andrew jackson did he sound, i mean all kinds of people love to make those kinds of comparisons. The truth is, if you go back and read. The 1968 convention speech of Richard Nixon talking about the forgotten Americans, that's what it was. That's who he was appealing to. And it's an odd irony of life that you had this man, Keith, who, um, who uh, is extraordinarily wealthy. Is he perhaps the wealthiest man that ever occupied the White House, possibly. He'd be top three, if not the most. Possibly Washington was wealthier. I'm not sure in his day. But in any event, you had this most wealthiest of men, a billionaire, who had uh, more of a common touch and more of an appeal with the um, American worker than um, any president in recent history. Even those that, you know, were bragging about, or not bragging, but were taught, you know, would, would, would make call, calls back to their Texas or ranching roots or their. Peanut farming roots, you know, it's 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 just an interesting thing, which which tells me it's about two things. It's about yes, the issues you talk about, but also yes, the policies you push. And you're absolutely right, Keith. He um he he was a, a bull uh, against the China closet, both specifically and and figuratively, uh, when it came to China, when it came to. Um, trying to get a better deal for the American worker, when it came time to lower the taxes for all Americans, when it came time to and about uh, lowering the unemployment rate for groups that the Democratic Party has talked about for years but has done very little for. You know, it's it's just an interesting thing about this man. And that's why I think, though his approval numbers really never cracked, numbers that other recent presidents had at their height you know what one of those reasons is by the way one of those reasons is we didn't have a war on his watch which is when approval ratings typically go up for a president yeah yeah you know no body bags no foreign wars that was a promise too and one that was quite forgotten
0: what's so sad about that is this remember how the left just beat up bush all those yeah. years about that war. Sure. And Trump did the gave exactly what the left had been clamoring for right. years. Right. And they beat him up. on yeah. that. So it doesn't so, matter what. The yeah, that's the does. lesson.
1: That's the lesson we need to take. You know, you can be a Bush or you can be a Trump. They're going to go after you either way. So just do the right thing. Right. Right. Exactly right. Well said, Keith. Thank you. Have a good day. You bet. Thank you. Happy to take uh, other calls on thoughts and memories as we uh, really uh, commemorate the last day of the um, of the Trump administration. It's a it's an odd thing reflecting back. It seems like just yesterday, in a way, that he was inaugurated. I guess it's been such a fast four years. So much has happened, but it doesn't seem like four years. It seems like only yesterday. And he fought and was fought with on. Every single thing, every single thing, every day was a fight, and some of that some of that in retrospect we'll look back at as part of his foible as well. six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero We'll be right back. welcome back to the Seth Leson show six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero Jake is in Phoenix. Hi, Jake
2: hey how you doing Seth?
1: I'm well. how are you, sir?
2: I'm okay um just commenting on kind of the impact of the presidency of Donald Trump, I think his greatest accomplishment was exposing the breadth and the depth of the corruption in our political system. And really what we have now is a political class. And you can call yourself a Democrat or a Republican, but you're, if you're in politics, you're the same. And, you know, to what's What's really scary is the, uh, our governmental agencies, how, how corrupt they've become, the IRS, the FBI, the um, CIA, and how they all conspired to work against this president on a daily basis. I mean, the guy never got a break, and it was from day one an attack the outsider who came in and said in his inaugural speech let's drain the swamp and unfortunately um, it's pretty deep and I think that that will or history will remember his presidency for what he exposed, the corruption that he exposed in Washington and the government bureaucracy that we've allowed to be created by voting for the likes of John McCain, the likes of uh, Joe Biden. But, you know, I mean, we have political families. We have, you know, how many Kennedys have run? How many Bushes are going to run? How many, you know, it's... That's his greatest legacy, I think.
1: It will, of course, depend in large part on, you know, how the history is written. One of the interesting things to me about this... And for those of us that know a little bit of recent history, is that the left used to care about an overactive um, FBI, CIA, right? They used to care when they surveilled. I mean, we just we just commemorated the Martin Luther King holiday yesterday. How much he was subject to the domestic surveillance.
2: I know,
1: right? They used to yeah. care about those things—the overreach, the Church hearings of the of the mid seventies. Uh, That were supposed to reform the intelligence agencies against domestic surveillance. Um, And it all came back from the left. It all came back from the left and the left within the establishment of too many who might be considered Republicans at some point or another. I don't know. Did Jim Comey call himself a Republican? I think he did. Whether it meant anything or not, I don't I don't know. I don't really care. But you you take my point That, that that may not be the best example. But there was an establishment in the party that did not want Trump. I remember when he won, I was at a dinner conversation with someone talking about, you know, how it was by dint of help from the Russians. And, you know, it it started before he even took office. But someone else at the table said, you know, at a certain point, you might just admit that he won based on an appealing to a population that hadn't been appealed to in a long time, and in so doing, took on not only the Democratic Party and the media, but also substantial parts of the Republican Party, which was against him as well, the establishment of the Republican Party. It was a very hard thing, and so one wondered... And the FBI.
2: Yeah, certainly, to be sure.
1: Yes, to be sure.
2: I mean, it's it's just, it, it was amazing the the number of battlefronts that he had every day. Mm -hmm. You know, the media, the, you know, the the, the House and the Senate, the judiciary, the, you know, FBI. Every every
1: established, yeah.
2: Yeah. Every part of established
1: governance in America. Yeah.
2: You, You know, you have to admire him for fighting all of those fights. You know, I mean, he... And he never backed down. He took it on. He didn't, you know, he didn't care what the media said about it. I, I know he did. You know, I know he'd probably sit in in the White House at night and just just wonder, you know,
1: who's what, on my side.
2: What, yeah. What yeah. can I do? Yeah. You know.
1: Yeah. 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 yeah it's, it's, mean, it's 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 a, it's a success, and in not being able to continue it in a way for another four years, a failure of his of Greek proportions, isn't it? It really is.
2: Well, I think what's interesting too is you know they, you know, to think that our political, our voting system isn't wrought with fraud is just to deny factual history, because there have been. I mean, you had the pentagrass machine in the Midwest. That you know
1: everybody. Oh, that's an interesting point. The corruption. Yeah, the corrupt. Right, (laughs) right. So to listen to the Democrats, this is the first election. That had absolutely no corruption in it, right? All right. Thank you, Jake. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leifson Show, 602 508 This is the last day of the Trump presidency, taking your calls on thoughts. Joe in Carefree. Hi, Joe.
3: Yeah. Uh, I'm, what I'm calling about is, you know, we all uh, appreciate his, uh, Trump's incredible achievements. I'll probably go down one of the really great. Of uh, uh, certainly since World War II, along with Reagan, but I, I heard a, a recent caller say, "Well, I'm not voting for somebody who isn't uh, uh, in the Trump camp or who is an anti-Trumper, and if we do that, we're going to lose uh, the next elections." So I think we should, uh, I think we have to kind of put this behind us and move ahead and settle uh, on somebody who win elections.
1: Well, I think what he was saying is someone who isn't in the tradition of of uh of the make America great again um project yeah. uh someone who isn't in the tradition of willing to fight back as hard as he's being pushed. Um I I think that's what he was saying. I, you know, it would make me ask you Joe, what's what's the kind of candidate or who's a candidate you would look forward to running in 4 years? Yeah.
3: Well, I like Walker. I like Nikki Haley. I don't know if she has uh, the—I like—I have uh, a—those are the people that come to mind right away. I think uh, Nikki Haley is uh, a a very powerful woman and uh, certainly has uh, 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 Trump—supports the Trump achievements. So I could think of others right now. I I have to—you know, I—Mitch Daniels, if he would come out wherever he is— uh, he'd be probably the best. But I don't see him running. He's the kind of person I would like to see if that would be useful.
1: Okay. Would you uh, would you support a Republican ticket if it were headed by someone like, oh, I don't know, Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, oh, a current yeah. governor?
3: Yep, I'm sorry, that's the name I forgot. Yeah, you bet. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. I, 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 I'm thinking someone like Ron's stock will be very high. I'm thinking someone like Christy Noem's stock would be very high. Yeah. Oh, Excellent, excellent choice. I'm yeah. thinking. Um, I'm thinking. Perhaps uh, uh, did did I say Tom Cotton? I don't think I did. Did, did I say Tom? I think Tom Cotton stock will be very high? Some of these people have more regional appeal than national, but someone like Ron DeSantis will have tremendous bragging rights. Was, yeah. uh, that's that's a phrase I don't love. He will well, have tremendous rights to talk about. How he did with his state of Florida during this crisis, versus the darling of the media Governor Cuomo, who did much worse and much the opposite, but got oh. all the all the media oh. plaudits you know
3: yeah that that was an outrage his behavior was 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 uh, uh, commended, and uh he, he did more harm than uh, than most he you was know. really quite bad but I think the, the, other, the other part of it is if there's somebody who's coming up, I mean, when we get to the election, we have to see who's on the other side rather than saying, well, I don't like this Republican. And so you end up with uh, more Democrats, and I can't see them ever being, at least in, in the next uh, decade, uh, being reasonable and uh, being bipartisan.
1: No, I don't think so. They're not off on that kind of a start, Uh, certainly not with the kind of talk they're engaging in. Um, They're now talking about domestic terrorism as an emphasis for the National Security Council, which is uh, nothing um, as so reminiscent as what the Obama administration did under Janet Napolitano at Homeland Security when she was talking about the threats of Americans being much greater. Than the threats from international terrorism, you may remember that the labeling of the and the investigation of the various Tea Party movements. If this is the road they're going down, it's a road that um, is going to uh, continue the erosion of our civil liberties, and I think will come back with a roar in the midterm elections. Um, one other thing I did want to mention before the uh, before we get to the um, top of the hour in the Hallmans joining us. I had mentioned it a couple times. I'll say it again, and I I did put it out on Twitter. If you follow me there, you can access it there. My Twitter handle is at Seth Leibson. I think this is the best government document that's been put out since 1787. It's called the 1776 Report, and it was issued yesterday. And um, it's about uh, 40 pages, easy-to-read document put out by the 1776 Commission, that uh, Donald Trump uh, authorized to undertake the study of and the teaching of American civics and American history to counter really the 1619 report which uh, we have talked about so much and which is now a curriculum in so many of our schools over i think uh, i think pushing up against 10,000 schools last time i checked having adopted the 1619 report this 1776 report is fantastic and just to give you a sense of what it gets into, um, I'll tell you, you know it's good when you when you know it was chaired by people like Larry Arn and Charles Kessler, but it starts with um, the meaning of the Declaration, uh, the meaning of the Constitution, and then it has several pages on the challenge to mm-hmm. America's principles and goes into slavery, progressivism, fascism, communism, racism, and identity politics— and then it goes into the task of national re- renewal, the rule of the family, how to teach American history, the scholarship of freedom, the American mind, the reverence for laws. And then it has a wonderful appendix um, that goes into uh, faith in America, the Declaration of Independence and its true meaning, identity politics. It's just a fantastic, fantastic document. I can't say enough about it, and that's one of the things I said um, when you think about you know judging someone for the best of the of what they did versus the last of what they did this is maybe the last major report outside of Mike Pompeo's today on China that the administration put out and it's fantastic i'll just give you a little sample of it just a little sample of it when's the last time you heard a government report go after quoting martin luther king jr The report states, natural equality requires not only the consent of the governed, but also the recognition of fundamental human rights, including but not limited to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, as well as the fundamental duty or obligation of all to respect the rights of others. These rights are found in nature and are not created by man or government. Rather, men create governments to secure natural rights. Do you realize what a miracle it is for a government to put out A document that says that? Rights are founded in nature and are not created by man or government. Rather, men create government to secure natural rights. That's revolutionary thinking. Indeed, the very purpose of government is to secure these rights. In a sense, the precepts of the American founders were known to prior thinkers, but those thinkers stated them in an entirely different set of terms to fit the different political and intellectual circumstances of their times. Um, It's a fabulous, fabulous. People talk to me or call me and say, what should I give my kids to read about American history? I have some books. I've recommended Wilfred McClay's. I've recommended the Bennett series, America, The Last Best Hope. You could do a lot worse than starting with this document. It's a fantastic document, the 1776 report. Really, words fail me to tell you how good it is. I'm Seth Leapson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. Bob is in Pace. And hi, Bob.
4: Hello, Mr. Seth. How are you?
1: I'm well, sir. How are you?
4: I have three predictions for the next four years. Yes, sir. Number one, Trump entered office. Dow Jones Industrials were at 20000 Say that again. The Dow Jones Industrials were at 20000 Yeah, that's right. Trump entered office. He's exiting tomorrow. It's almost... 31,000. That's right. I believe when Biden leaves, he's coming in with 31,000, the Dow Industrial. When he leaves, it'll be below 20,000.
1: Interesting.
4: Number two, I believe China is going to attack Taiwan, and we will have no response.
1: Interesting. ticket
4: Ticket for the next presidential election? How about Trump and Trump? (laughs)
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> just, just really double down, huh? Well,
4: I think it'd be great if they can the 25th 25 then and we'd have another.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, is is if you if you could pick anyone to run in four years, would it be Donald Trump again?
4: I think he's not going to want to do it again. That's what I, I think. Say, maybe. I, I'm the same age, and I'm not going to want to do much at 78 either, even though I'm in excellent condition. But I think Trump Jr. would
1: be outstanding. There's a um, – there's, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what some of these outspoken members of the family, uh, what they do over the next couple of years. Um, here's what will be, I think, the most important thing to watch and, and look for, because this is how you build – tend to – one of the – ways you tend to build political capital? How active, say, Junior would be? Donald Trump Jr. would be in supporting and helping do fundraisers for other Republican candidates that, of course, you know have been supportive of the MAGA agenda. You know, are they gonna are they gonna be headliners uh, uh, for for political and fundraising events for those kinds of candidates? That's one typical way you build political capital. Certainly another question will be to see how much media they make themselves available for, how much media they will be interested in starting or creating, if that is the future for them. Um, Those would be the three indicators to look for whether they're interested in running again. Um, If they're quiet and uh, kind of fade back simply, not simply, but if they fade back into the the Trump business and, and stay out of the political limelight, Probably they're not going to—that's probably a tell that they're not that interested in doing this again um, or running again. Um, And we have to consider, as a previous caller said, who the opponent will be. My guess is, at that point, um, it would be Kamala Harris, simply because I don't know how an 82-year-old runs for president again. I just don't know how that happens. He looks kind of like something out of Madame Tussauds already. The Hallman's up next. We'll be right back.